about 17 years ago, a much younger and thinner me walked into a meeting room full of men that I looked up to and respected, one of which is our speaker tonight. As I watched him navigate through his meetings, the way he administrated, perhaps he knew, maybe not, but I was taking notes. I was learning. I was watching. In several ways, I attempted to imitate and try to reproduce through my leadership in our district the incredible role model that Brother Scott Graham presented before me and before the General Youth Division at that time. And then when he steps to the pulpit to preach tonight, if you've never heard him, you will understand what I mean when I say when he stepped to the pulpit to preach, I tried to take notes. And then I gave up. And then I just let God take over. I have always marveled at his incredible ability to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ in a very creative and powerful and anointed manner. His family has impacted our lives so very much. We love Sister Graham equally as much as Brother Graham. And as you get to know her, you will see what an incredible lady that she is. They pastor a wonderful church in St. Louis, Missouri, the Marquee Church of the area. He also serves as the district superintendent of the little show-me state down in Missouri. We are so honored that a man with such responsibility would take time out of his busy schedule to come to the cornfields of Indiana and be with us and celebrate 50 years with us. It means the world to my family and I. We love and appreciate the Grahams. I ask you to put your hands together tonight and welcome Brother Scott Graham as he comes to preach the gospel to us tonight. Man. After all that, I can't wait to hear me. And I have a feeling I'm going to be so disappointed. But it's wonderful to be with you tonight on what is a very special and appropriate occasion. And uh, you owe me no apology. Some things are right, and they're to be done right. And when you reach a threshold like this of half a century, it is in order. And to take time to not only honor uh, your founder, and it's uh, just such an honor for me to be with you, Brother Price. God bless you. I didn't put the connection together. I know your grandson, Paul, and I just didn't put that all together until you were doing that tonight. Uh, but it is right to honor, and it is right to honor your pastor now. Brother and Sister Jordan are very special people to us, and we love them and their boys. And just you're, you're a blessed church. You're a blessed church. And I am just very delighted tonight to be here to celebrate this time with you. Um, grew up just, we could, we could throw a rock and hit Indiana. Not that we would. But we could, uh, just over in Illinois, down in the southern part of the state, uh, right on the Wabash River. So we could look across and see Indiana from there. And so this, this, is, this is not far from home. I have traveled the world and been very blessed to do so. Never in my life have I had the occasion to be in a town whose mascot was a hot dog. 
that's powerful right there. I just want to tell you, that's 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 earth shaking. It really, it's it's uh, that's a first. I just we're the mighty hot dogs. I just don't know what you say with that. That's that's that is really something. I was they drove me by to show me the picture on the back of the bleacher thing of the football just just to prove to me it really is and and hallelujah that's just that's strong stuff um men with bark on no i'm not bark i'm sorry that was just i couldn't i couldn't resist it is just a joy to be with you and i know what time it is and i know you're probably hungry you may be tired and all that but i and i'm going to be courteous to your time but i want to take you to the word of the Lord tonight, but I'm going to let you be seated for just a, a moment. I'm going to read my text in a little bit. Uh, thank you, Pastor, for the honor of being here on this special occasion. All these men of God that are gathered, thank you so much for coming tonight. It was founded in 1763 on the Mississippi River by the French, who named this little settlement Petite Gouffre, which means little gulf. And if there is a fluent French speaker in the audience, pardon the fact that my Enunciation was probably somewhat flawed. It meant little gulf. The reason for that name was that it was seen as a small sister community to the much larger New Orleans further south on the same waterway. In time, this little settlement passed from the French and became the property of the British nation. And then from there, it actually passed to control of the Spanish. And finally, at one point in history... In 1798, the Spanish sold this entire town to a man named Thomas Calvert. I've never actually thought of anybody buying a town. But he did in 1798. Mr. Calvert had a very close friend named Judge Thomas Rodney. And so he named this community that he had purchased in honor of his friend, the judge, and named this place Rodney, Mississippi. It's located 32 miles northeast of Natchez, Mississippi. I just wonder by chance if there's anybody here tonight that's ever been to Rodney or Mississippi. Anybody ever heard of Rodney? That's kind of what I figured. But see, that's interesting to me because in its day it was extremely prominent. Great Men of history visited Rodney, Mississippi. Andrew Jackson, Henry Clay, Zachary Taylor, among some of the notable names of American history who purposely went to that community. They bypassed other places to go and spend time in Rodney, Mississippi. Rodney was home to a very wealthy man. His name was Dr. Rush Nutt, who is considered to be the genius behind the South, rising to the apex of the cotton industry. He it was who developed a strain of cotton which was rot resistant while it was in the field and he also uh, engineered a redesign of Eli Whitney's cotton gin to connect it to steam power so that it could be automated and for those two developments Dr. Nutt is considered to be the man that catapulted the south to the absolute prominence in the cotton industry in the world. He was fabulously wealthy. He could have lived anywhere he chose. He could have lived in one of the great metropolitan cities in the north. He could have lived in one of the great antebellum grand cities of the south. But Dr. Nutt chose to build his mansion in Rodney, Mississippi. It was the cultural center of its day. A city that in 
The mid-1700s boasted banks and theaters and factories. I'm sorry, the mid-1800s boasted banks and theaters and factories and stores and schools and churches. It had a debating society. It had a jockey club. They advertised doctors and dentists and hotels and, yes, the requisite saloons. It only missed by three votes being named the capital of Mississippi. Only by three votes did we miss having Rodney, Mississippi instead of Jackson, Mississippi as the capital of that state. It was considered the most important location on the river between New Orleans and St. Louis. And yet nobody here tonight has even heard of it before tonight. And there is a reason for that. Around 1870... The mighty Mississippi River began to institute a course change. And by 1940, the river flowed a full three miles away from Rodney, Mississippi. No longer with access to the commerce which the river provided, the town slowly dried up. Oh, you can still go there today, but you'll not find it on a map. It is a ghost town with no population whatsoever. The only permanent residents are the rats which scurry in and out of the abandoned buildings. There are no businesses. There is no activity of any kind. Just a few silent structures remain. The remnants of an old Presbyterian church are slowly decaying several crumbling structures of the glory days of grand plantations there are a few hollow shells that used to hold vibrant commerce and yes you can walk through the ruins of the mansion that Dr. Nutt built in that community but every one of them just gives silent testimony to one established fact that no matter how great things are and no matter what you have built in the past and no matter how wonderful it is is at the present if the river ever leaves you die I share that story tonight because of a particular passage of scripture let me read it to you now in John 37 and 37 in the last day that great day of the feast Jesus stood and cried saying if any man thirst let him come unto me and drink he that believeth on me as the scripture hath said out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water but this spake he of the spirit which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given because that Jesus was not yet glorified. It is worthy of note on this special night that Jesus likened the flow of the Spirit in our lives to a river which would spring up from inside of us and flow out into our community. And I preach to this grand church on this wonderful occasion that it is no different for us than for that ghost town in Mississippi that if this river ever leaves we will die I don't tell me about 50 years if the river leaves we die don't tell me about new property if the river leaves we die don't tell me about plans and dreams we'll never pull that off if we don't have the power and the force of the river I do not preach this tonight because I think it's lacking. I don't present this to you because I think you don't believe it. I only choose on this night to rise up and remind you that as apostolics we have to stay wholly committed to the river. We 
are people of the Spirit. That is not the only statement of its kind which is true of us. We are people of the Word. We are people of the name. We are people of a holy lifestyle. But it is right and proper to recognize that we are meant to be spiritual people. We get so caught up in the affairs of this life and in the matters which pertain to our flesh that we can easily be distracted from the fact that this existence is not our principal one. We are not first people of this world. We are citizens of another world. We are not primarily flesh. We are first spirit for this flesh will fail. It will weaken. It will ultimately die and dissolve away. But that river that flows out of us is going to remain when this flesh has long since decayed. Elder, Elder Price, you mentioned tonight, you said something about my days are numbered. I leaned over and told him, I said, that's true for every one of us. Whether you're 2 or 92, every one of us has our days are numbered. This flesh that we give so much attention to really matters so very little. But the Spirit, I preach to you tonight that what has brought us 50 years and what will carry us 50 years in the future, that which has allowed us to go from 80 members to 250 members is not talent and it's not simply organizational skills and it's not just ability and it's not your personality somebody. Churches aren't built on any of that. I'll tell you what does it. You got to have the river flowing in every service. You got to have the river flowing in every life. The line is clearly drawn in the words of Paul to the church in Rome. In Romans 8 and 5 he said, for they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the Spirit mind the things of the Spirit. My prayer is that as a congregation, we would hunger and be after the things of the Spirit. I'm telling you that as a man, I want to be after the Spirit. As a husband and as a father, I want to be after the Spirit. As a preacher, I want to be after the Spirit. Because if that river ever leaves me, I'm going to die as a husband. If that river ever leaves me, I'm going to die as a preacher. And if that river ever leaves a church, I don't care what kind of heritage you have. If that river leaves. I want to go where he goes. I want to follow where he leads. I want to do what he approves of. I want to be what he directs. If I could tuck one thing away in your spirit, I would to God that you would grab hold of this attitude of Moses in Exodus 33 and 15. And he said unto them, If thy presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. Standing there looking at a promised land after years of wilderness journey. Standing there looking at cities they didn't build and vineyards they didn't plant. And he said, but if your presence didn't go in with us, I don't want to go. 
you got to be kidding me. Everything you've been dreaming about, everything you've been looking for is right there. It matters not to me what is appealing to my flesh. Yes, it looks more comfortable. Yes, it looks like it'd be easier. Yes, it looks like I'd like it better. But God, if your presence isn't taking us there, then I'm not interested in going. All I want is to go where that river goes. All I want is to be in touch with the power and the flow of that spirit. As a church, I don't want anything his spirit can't bless. I don't want to preach anything his spirit can't bless. Is there anybody agreeing with me right now? I don't want to sing one thing he can't bless. I don't want to wear one thing he can't bless. I don't want to say one thing he can't bless. I don't want to be anything his spirit can't bless. I don't want to go anywhere his presence can't go with me. God... Deliver us from fleshly pursuits. That story I related to you tonight about a dead village in Mississippi is more than just a unique historical fact. It is a picture of what the scripture tells us will happen if we ever abandon a spirit-led life. I can show you Romans 8 verse 9. But you're not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the Spirit is life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, aren't you glad for this? He will raise up. He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, when I was in Bible school, one of my teachers always told us, you see that word therefore, you better find out what it's there for. He said, therefore, because you've got a hope that His Spirit's going to resurrect you one day down the road, Maybe it'd be wise to be sure you stay in touch with the Spirit right now. Therefore, he says, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if you live after the flesh, I'm sorry, if you live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do kill the deeds of the body, ye shall live. Look at this, verse 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Now I'm telling you, I can read that verse and shout about, Woo! As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. But the frightening part is the unspoken message that if I'm not being led by His Spirit, then I'm not living like a son of God ought to live. He says, if you're led by the Spirit, you're the sons of God. The implication is, if I refuse to be led by the Spirit, I am not His son. Well, now, see, that got real tight right now. All I'm saying is we can't do this in our own strength. You can't build that new building in your own strength. You can't double this congregation on any combination of personality or human ability or clever marketing. Yes, sir. That's right. All right, I'll just, I'll just relax and be me. I'm pastoring a church too, and I want it to grow, and God's been good to us. But I look across our city, and you know what I get to thinking? If I could just get some billboards. We need a better Twitter presence. 
If we just had a better Facebook outreach. Oh, God help us. I get to thinking if we just had more community visibility. If we had better and slicker marketing campaigns. If we just. We could change our bill. We need a coffee shop. Nothing wrong with having. I wish, look, I wish I had one. I sinned when I saw yours. Because I'm not telling you there's anything wrong with any of that. I'm telling you the problem is when I start putting my faith in that. Because I don't know how to tell you this, but God can build a church without Twitter. And God can build a church without coffee. And God can build a church without clever marketing. But we'll never build a church without God. Stay in the river. Stay in the river. Let the flow of the Holy Ghost be every Sunday. Let the flow of the Holy Ghost be in every midweek. Let the Holy Ghost lead you on Tuesday on the job. Let the river flow out of you on Friday when you're with your family. We've got to stay in touch with the river. If that river ever leaves, we're not smart enough. We're not talented enough. We're not clever enough to be able to build his church. thank God for every tool. I thank God for every skill. I thank God for everything we can do to offer ourselves to Him and to His church. But ultimately, we've got to recognize this truth. And though Paul was writing it regarding those who would attempt to bring the believers back under the Jewish law, still I think the principle applies to us here tonight. In Galatians 3 and 3, when he says, Are you so foolish? Having begun... In the spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? I wasn't here 50 years ago, Elder, but I'm going to guess that what went on out in that barn was spirit-driven. I'm going to guess that what went on 50 years ago was prayer meetings and fasting and seeking God and calling out to Him with passion and with fervency. I got a feeling if we called on those names that were on the screen, many of whom stood here today, and we said, what built this thing? What started this thing? They wouldn't tell you about marketing campaigns, and they wouldn't tell you about community visibility. They'd tell you we got on our face and we called out to God until the Holy Ghost came raining down like thunder in that little living room. They'd tell you about conviction so strong that grown men were weeping and coming to the altar. And I thank God for everything we can do to add to it, but we better remember we can't do it without that. You... We've got to have that conviction. We've got to have that move of the Spirit and God save us from ever getting distracted and thinking we can do it without the river. If we started in the Spirit... We'll never finish this thing in the flesh. We'll never, we'll never have a strong congregation by human will. We'll never go through predictable motions and see God move. Bring you back to the fact that we got to pray. I bring you back to the fact that we've got to fast. I bring you back to the fact. That we've got to have heartfelt worship. I bring you back to the fact that we've got to have consecrated lives. I bring you back to the fact that we've got to have separate living. I bring you back to the fact that we've got to have apostolic doctrine. And that's all that will keep us in touch with the river. 
Because if we ever lose that river, And I know there's this spirit of the age and this kind of pressure to say, well, you know, it's a different age. People are more sophisticated. <laughs> um, junior in high school, I uh, got to witness a friend of mine. We'll call him Philip because that was his name. Seems reasonable, don't you think? And I, I convinced Philip to come to church with me one Sunday night. And uh, driving to pick him up, he had no background to anything. He, he had been in church a few times, but there wasn't even a pond there, okay? Forget the river. There wasn't even a creek. They didn't even have a damp sponge, okay? There wasn't nothing, zero. And uh, I wasn't sure, you know, how things were going to go, and so... We had this lady in our church. <laughs> I won't call her name, but she, she, um, she was prone to river moments. She, she, she started that river dance thing long time before it became popular in culture. She, uh, yeah, and I was young and stupid. I've gotten older. I don't know about the other. I prayed a terrible prayer that night. It was horrible. God, I'm just his mercy. He didn't just kill me on the spot. As I'm driving to pick him up to bring him to church, and I'm saying, Now, Lord, I really I don't I don't want her to be real sick. But if you could orchestrate like just a low grade fever, minor headache, maybe a twinge in her back, something. I got to church, and God has a sense of humor. He does. Because I sat here, Philip sat here, and, 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 and dear sister Riverdance usually sat way back yonder. That night, for reasons that nobody knows and God's not telling, she sat right there. And I'm not a doctor, but she looked to be feeling real good. And so I prayed a different prayer. I said, Lord, that was a bad one. I don't blame you for not answering that one. That was bad. But I've got an alternate theory. You know? just, just a plan. Just, just, do you suppose maybe you could move upon the worship leader to, to, to come out and lead us in a medley of nearer my God to thee in the garden and I surrender all. Good song. I mentioned God has a sense of humor. Did I, I did say that. Okay, good. Keep me on track here. Because the worship leader came out of the prayer room and hit the pulpit. And the first sound out of his mouth. Everybody will be happy. <laughs> he didn't get to the first happy. Before the first wave of that river went. She got out here, and did I mention God as a sense of you? Okay, help me. Because usually when that river hit her, she would go with it. This time she just swam upstream and stayed right there. And she's sinking dry bobby pins in the drywall. And, and I, I kind of looked at her, and then I looked over at him, and Philip's eyes. 
I didn't, I didn't say anything. I didn't say nothing. Church gets done that night. I'm driving him home. I am being very careful not to approach discussion, anything that has anything to do with church. I mean, we're talking about political unrest in Bangladesh or whatever, but I ain't talking. I ain't, we ain't going anywhere near what went on in church tonight. And I got to his house, and he got out, and he rolled the window down, or I rolled the window down on my 1976 Plymouth Duster. It is hard to be cool in a car with plaid seats. I just want you to know that. It is hard. Rolled the window down. He leaned his head in there, and he said, Scott, I don't have a clue what went on in there tonight. And then he said words that changed my life forever. Because he looked at me and said, but I do have a question. I said, oh, God, here it comes. He said, if I ever decide to get God, can I get more of what she's got and less of what you've got? And I said, bud, if you'll give me one more chance and come back with me next Sunday night, I may not have the bobby pins, but I've got a river. And I decided right away that what that drug addict wants out there, he's not looking for professionalism. He doesn't really care if all the lights are right. I'm for all this. I got all this at home. But that's not what builds the church. And that doesn't build the church. And this doesn't build the church. I'll tell you what it does. It's when the waves of that river, come washing through the church. And he feels something he can't explain. And the shackles fall off his ankles. I'm telling you what we got to have. We have to have the the river and if and if that river ever leaves 50 years won't keep us alive Talented leaders won't keep us alive. Beautiful no building won't keep us alive. Fancy new programs won't keep us alive. Nothing will survive without the river. Give me just, just a couple minutes and I'm going to finish. You be seated just a moment. Because this, my dear brothers and sisters, is both a corporate and an individual quest. Both of these following statements are true. We need the river in our church. But this statement is true too as well. I need the river in my life. Oh yeah. I preach about the flow of the river in service. I can tell you that story about Philip and that dear sister. We'll all shout and holler. Because it's easy to say yes when we come together on Sunday. I preach to you tonight that I cannot depend on the flow of the river collectively and feel that is sufficient in the absence of a personal flow of the river of God in my life. We are so experience-oriented in Pentecost that we almost measure our spirituality by how good our services are. It's a false measuring stick. The measure of my spiritual life is not really found in what I experience here on Sunday morning. It's what I experience between Sunday mornings. 
Is that river working in my life? How often is his name on my lips in the wee hours of the morning? How often is his word washing through my mind when nobody's preaching it to me? How many times am I riding along and suddenly I'm aware of his presence? How often do I forgo lesser pursuits so I've got more time for him? How consistent is my time in his word? How regular is my prayer life if those things are properly in place then I will certainly be faithful to the corporate worship services but if they are not I can get swept along with the current of the church family without really having the river at work in my own life and so it begs the question in the five minutes I will take to finish up what can divert a river I grew up in a place called Grayville, Illinois. A little wide spot in the road, kind of down across from Poseyville, Indiana, right on I-64, southern Illinois. On the Wabash River, sits right on the river. Well, it used to. We were actually right on the end of a large U-shaped bend of the river. Musician can come and help me tonight if you like, just... Please don't get distracted by them. Watch me. It drives me nuts. You say, a musician coming. The whole church looks like. I wonder if she can find it tonight. Yes, she's a very gifted lady. Drive you nuts. You lose the whole congregation. Musicians, please come. Everybody goes, I've got the microphone. I came the farthest. Pay attention to me. We were at the end of a large U-shape bend in that river sat right on the end of that, of that thing. And one spring, probably probably coming up on 20 years ago or so now, during a spring flood, the river cut across that peninsula and carved out a new channel. The city went to the Army Corps of Engineers. They came in and studied it. And they said the reason was that the bend in that river got too full of silt and debris and the flow wasn't sufficient to keep it clean. And so when that spring current arrived, it was just easier for that river to go someplace else than to battle all the corruption that had settled there. Not terribly long ago, I was back by my hometown. My parents don't live there anymore. My dad is, is deceased. My mom lives in Tennessee. I, I hadn't been back there in a long time. And I was driving home from Louisville. I was a little road weary, and so I just... Got off the road to kind of wake up a little bit. Really drove around, go see my old high school and all kinds of stuff. And I went down by the end of the end of South Street that ends up down there by the river. And you know what I was amazed at when I was driving down there? It still looked like a beautiful river. There's still water there. The boat ramp's still there. I was so struck by it. I thought, well, maybe they got it fixed. I mean, it looks right. So I got out of my car. Stale. Almost sour. There was no life there. Nobody's putting boats in there. They go downstream. Nobody's fishing there anymore. There's no current. No life. And that speaks to me. Because I get cluttered. 
when life gets junk. And the thing that scares me is you can look at me and I still look okay. I still clap on two and four. Or one and three if you're in the right part of the state. I still raise my hands at the end of every song. I know what to say. Dimples in the middle of my tie knot. Sleeves are the right length. Everything's fine. I still look like the river is there. But I wonder if God gets close enough. Does it smell stale? Is it sour? Is there life there? Or has it just got silted in? Hear me tonight. I come not with a rebuke. I come with just a caution. That when life clutters the channel, God is not obligated to clean that out. It's my job to make sure that river flows in me. It's my job to say that doesn't matter. I've got to get back to the river. It's my job to look at things that aren't important and say, I've got to get rid of that. I've got to get back to the... It's my job. I have to come to the altar and throw my hands up and say, God, let a wave of your spirit wash through me and clean out carnal thinking and clean out impure thoughts and clean out unimportant priorities. God, let your river wash through Stand with me because I promise you. If we do that, if the men and women that call Christian Life Church their home would live lives that daily let the Holy Ghost wash through us in that kind of fashion, I promise you that new building cannot hold what God can do with a bunch of people that are open to His Spirit. This city cannot imagine what God can do with a church that's made up of people that say, I want every day out of my innermost belly. I want a river of the Holy Ghost to flow out of me until my neighbors feel it and my coworkers feel it and my family feels it I just wonder if there's anybody hungry like I'm hungry to say God don't let that river leave me It's 9.28. I'll tell you exactly what time it is. And I don't plan to protract anything unnecessarily. But if there's some members of this church that would just like to give it about five minutes to come up and throw your hands in the air and say, God, no matter where we go or where you take us, don't lead us away. We won't leave the river. We're not going to have church without the river. I'm not going to live a life without the river. I'm not interested in being an apostolic in name. I'm interested in being an apostolic by current. I want the flow of that spirit to work in me every day. Clean some stuff out of me, God. Clean out of me some of my nasty thinking. Clean out of me some of my pride-driven motives. Clean out of me some of my temporal ambitions. But God, let that spirit, let that spirit flow through me. Let it flow through me. Let it flow through me.
without the musicians giving you words to put in your mouth, would you just cry out to him right now? In fact, well, just stop it. We don't even need any props right now. We don't need a keyboard. We don't need drums. I want the musicians to call out to God. I want the... Con- hey, hey, hey! Let the sound of a raging river flow in this place. In the name of Jesus, I pray a river, a torrent, a flood of your holy presence would invade this congregation, invade our homes, move through our spirits, move through our minds. In the name of Jesus, let a hunger that is birthed from heaven well up in every one of us until we are driven, until we are consumed with hunger and passion for the river. Go ahead, just another minute. That's the sound of the river. That's what you're hearing. Go ahead, you're hearing the sound of the river right now. Go ahead, go ahead. That's the sound of a river. That's the sound of a church whose future is secure. That's the sound of a church that's doing the same thing they did 50 years ago. That's the sound of a people that recognizes that no matter what the year, that river is the constant among us. I want us to do one more thing before I turn this over to your pastor. Would you please just link up with somebody near you right now? Sometimes you need a little help to get to the river. <laughs> I want you to join up and connect with somebody near you right now. And I want us to pray. Just, just give me a couple minutes. I'm going to hand this mic away, I promise. I know it's late. You've been here a long time, but you're so wonderful. But the river, uh, <laughs> the river is in operation here right now. 
Would you now, like Holy Ghost-filled people know how to do, pray that the person you're connected with would have a river-driven experience this week. Pray for that person next to you. Go ahead. In the name of Jesus, I pray for my brothers and sisters. I pray that these children would ever know what a Sunday school class is like with the river flowing through it. I pray that every young person in this youth group would know what it is to be a river-driven youth ministry. In the name of Jesus, I pray that every young married couple would know what it is to have a home that is the home of a river that flows there. I pray, oh God, for every senior saint that is in that season of life, let the river continue to operate and flow in them. I pray for every ministry leader in this congregation that you would let the river of the Holy Ghost direct their minds and their thinking and their spirit. I pray for this good pastor and wife that the river would always drive his vision and the river would always lead him where this congregation should go. In the name of Jesus, I pray for every service in this house and every service in the next house that the river would always move through it. In the name of Jesus, I pray for every life as we live in this community and go about our daily work. Let the river operate in us. Let the river flow out out of us and let those around us sense the life that comes by an unfettered and unrestricted flow of the Holy Ghost. I thank you, Jesus. 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 As many, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Gentry just leaned over to me and he said, Dad, the body's 90% water. The church is a body. We can't survive without water. Come on one more time. Would you give the Lord a shout of praise in the house? Thank him for the river of living water. Thank him for the river of living water. Come on, magnify him with a loud voice one more time. I know you've been worshiping. You've been praying. Lift up your voice one more time with a shout of praise. And let him know, God, I want to get in the current and stay in the current. Get in the flow and stay in the flow. Hallelujah. Come on, give him praise in the house. Give him praise in the house. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Would you thank Brother Graham for preaching to us tonight? Wow. What a powerful word from the Lord. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you to our guests, all of you who are here tonight, to our church members. Thank you for being here. We've got a big weekend in store, a lot of celebrating to do. Bedtime's at 2 a.m.